Welcome to episode 209 of the Movie City Maniacs. On tonight's episode, our Noir Vember series continues with the killers from 1946. Welcome, everyone, to the Movie City Maniacs. I'm Kyle. I'm Matador Maddie. And I'm Adam. I feel like we should be drinking just whiskey, though, right? (laughs) Yeah, of course, Uh, like hard whiskey. You guys aren't? (laughs) Uh, Yes, if if you're just tuning in, we are continuing our Noir-Vember series. Uh, Last episode, this is our third annual uh, Noir-Vember series. Uh, Last episode, we covered The Maltese Falcon. We've covered eight films before that. Um, and then tonight we are covering The Killers from 1946, Ooh. and uh, we're going to have two more films after this. This is a fun month. Uh, seems to be one of our more consistent months where you're just getting a lot of heavy hitters, a lot of maniacs being born. Uh, I think sometimes even from secondary yeah, movies, yeah. I think as, as, as occasionally it's happened. So, mm. Well, this is like, I think you've seen quite a bit. But I only got into the whole noir thing, I think, in 2019. So that's uh, only four years ago. So I still have a lot to see, a lot to get through. I'm still finding Gems Maddie just kind of got into it what, last year, I think, right? Or I didn't know the like, 1940s I think this existed. is the third year we've done Oh, yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> I guess since then. But uh, I thought movie started in 1970s. I didn't so even t- know. T- t- 2021, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Star Wars was what you thought. Yeah, that's when they movie. started, right? Like, but is this the first time everyone's seen this film that we're talking about tonight? Or had you seen no, it I've seen this oh, film you've seen before. It before. Yeah, because okay. uh, I think the only one I've seen this month is The Maltese Falcon. The rest, the other three, are all first time watches. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah and, I, I haven't seen this one again in a long, like Maltese Falcon, maybe in fifteen ish years. Yeah. Um, but this was this was like the first kind of wave. I kind of had your wave in like. 2003 to 2005 where I just was like going crazy and watching yeah. as many of these movies as I can and that, and then I, I I kind of had watched like I think I'd saw Double Indemnity in 2007 yeah. or 2008 like I was still kind of chipping away but I wasn't mm-hmm. as kind of obsessed until you started talking about it again I was like I love those movies yeah. why did I not dive any deeper and one of the reasons why I didn't dive in deeper at the time that's there, all that was available. <laughs> th- there wasn't a lot of access to these movies unless you were watching like TVO, yeah. Sat- Saturday Night at the Movies, because the DVD collections for a lot of these things, which turned me off, a lot of the like lower grade ones, they mm-hmm. looked yeah. awful. Well, it looked like you were watching it through snow at that point, right? So, Whereas it, now, like, they're just so, it's almost overwhelming. It's, it's hard to keep up with them all. I feel like, you know, in the past couple of years, there's been a hundred plus releases, it's on ins- I, and they all look, for the most part, great. I mean, a lot of those companies opened up their vaults. Yeah, I guess Fox still hasn't really. Well, Disney owns Fox, unfortunately. And it was, it, but that's why that noir series from Criterion that they mm-hmm. put together was so special because it was like, I've never even like seen these 
ever getting a DVD release in, in from it. It sucks because we were starting to get them on Blu-ray. Twilight Time was putting some out some other companies. I think Kino was getting a couple, and then Disney bought Fox, and you know it all went to hell. But who knows? Disney is slowly opening up. You know, getting back into physical media. So they're opening up the vault like they used to. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we can get Return of Jafar on Blu-ray <laughs> finally. Yes, it's about time. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, I, yeah, hopefully they start licensing some of this stuff out that they're not going to release themselves. Because uh, yeah, like what are they doing with it? They're not fucking putting on yeah. Disney Plus. Why not make some? Yeah, money off I, it? is there? I don't think there's any Fox no. Noirs on Disney Plus. I don't think there's anything like pre nineteen eighty. Other than the court, uh, the cartoons, the cartoons. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, like it's a great month. I really yeah. enjoy it. Uh, I, I guess should should we just jump into what we've been watching? I, sure. I know we you want to start? A couple. Yeah, you go nuts. Sure, I, I'll, I'll be quick with this one because there's not really much to say, but it's just a documentary I've been wanting to watch for the longest time. Uh, doomed the untold story of Roger Corman's The Fantastic Four from 2015. Okay. Uh, this is a film, I mean, this was a big deal. I remember back when I read, as a kid reading Wizard Magazine, you know, this is pre-Marvel films. I think at this time we had That would be Punisher. like your your version of Juicy by Biggie. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't get the reference, but... Uh, <laughs> reading Word Up Magazine, you'd be like reading Wizard Magazine. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? The thing and heavy deal. But uh, yeah, this is like I think we'd had <laughs> we'd the have Punisher. To think about it more. We'd had Captain America, like all shitty movies. But Fantastic Four was going to finally come yeah. out, which didn't look good either. But it was a big deal, and it was all hyped up, and then it just disappeared. Um, and we all we've all heard the story, I believe, that you know it turns out that this film was never meant to be released. It was they had the rights, and they had to make a film by this certain time, or they lost the rights. So it was just make a film, we're not going to release it because it's going to harm our property. Let's just make it so we keep the rights and then we're going to sell the rights to Fox and they're going to make their big budget movie. Even though it wasn't until like 10 years later that they finally came out with one. That's another Fantastic Four movies have been Bombed, good. right? Uh, no, I, they, I think they've all made uh, money, but they've, well, I don't know about the last one, but... Um, is there more than two? There's two. There's, there's, there's a third one that Josh Trank did with... Um, Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Like, Jordan. Uh, and uh, But it, that, I think that had all these like studio interference and it was just it, it was a mess uh i you know what i'm not the biggest uh disney marvel guy but i think the fantastic four is one series that would make sense for their type of humor and whatnot yeah. but uh yeah anyways unfortunately this do- i mean i i like this documentary it's fascinating it's all they got everyone involved all the actors and directors and behind the scenes um and it's just them telling their story because they all were under the assumption that this is a real film that this was going to be the big thing mm-hmm. for their career it was going to be released and become a big hit. Uh, Corman was producing it, and this is like this is when he was starting to kind of get into the straight to video market. Um, he wasn't doing as much theatrical releases, but this was going to be the first film he's going to put in theaters a long time. I still don't really buy where they're all like, you know, this is going to be this big film is going to be our career because like it, it's, been, it's been released. This, right? There's bootlegs of this film yeah. out. Like the film, I, I think it could have. Did had success as a straight to video kind of like cheesy Corman movie. It, it, it looks like a. But this is coming out after Jurassic Park and stuff. Yeah. Like no matter what, this looked like a, a no budget shitty film. The acting is kind of terrible yeah. by all. It's not well directed. So all these, you know. So I feel bad for them, but them all also saying that you know this hurt them from becoming you know they were going to be the next Jurassic Park. Nah, no, I don't think so. Um, and unfortunately, that the documentary is again. It's fascinating hearing about that, but the whole thing of the documentary is building up to. You know, it's building up to something, and all the buildup is them revealing that this film was never meant to be released. They keep on hinting at this, and it's like, this is—we all knew this. Yeah, like, yeah. everyone watches this documentary knows that, so it's like you don't have much to tell in this documentary other than these people 
telling the stories, which is kind of funny. And it's cool seeing the behind the fantastic farce. No. That yeah. seems like a yeah. That's genius. Yeah, uh, but it, it is fun seeing all the behind the scenes stuff. I mean, the thing suit they they built was pretty cool. Like it was an, a real suit. They had a pro and it uh, had with uh, animatronics. It was going to move the mouth and it did all these um, different uh, expressions. Like it, it was that kind of stuff was cool. Mm. But they talk about I guess one of the effects guys from uh, Independence Day actually came and promised him all this shit and it turns out he lied he wasn't one of the main effects guys he was like one of the artists that like kind of like <laughs> you know he was selling it as if he's the guy that created the effects for Independence Day and he's like just one of the little minions probably yeah. of hundreds and then he came in and didn't pro- con- you know it was deliver all bullshit yeah deliver his promises there's some fan- there's some interesting stuff and there's Stan Lee kind of like talking about how he came on set and he bought them all donuts and was all excited and said oh this is you're exactly how I thought the thing would be but then how afterwards he kind of like you know, they, they have footage of him at a yeah. con saying hey, how this movie's abysmal and how he hopes it doesn't get released, like, literally three months later. So there, there's what some... What in the name of Hargar's yeah. Hammer is going on back here? <laughs> there's some fascinating stuff there and how it all happened and how, you know, they were excited and the one guy was literally using his own money to promote this film because he was, like, thought he was actually read. Like, he was just in this, like, inspirational, this is, you know, the movie for me. Anyways, I'm going to get a six and a half out of ten. I was entertained but i think for someone like maybe adam that probably didn't maybe grow up or excited about this film didn't care about this film i don't think it's going to do much for never you. even knew this was a, it is a it is kind of for fans only but um uh, that's because yeah. there's a lot of nudity in it for fans only uh you get to see a lot of thing uh thing dick shots you can get your rocks off yeah i know yeah <laughs> again i liked it but it wasn't like this isn't hitting the same highs as like the island. What's that one about the the Doctor Moreau movie didn't get made? The Doom oh movie. yeah, but- it's not hitting the highs of those. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. even the Superman one, which was kind of poorly put together, the stories in that because that film never got made, we never saw it. Is a lot more fascinating than Tim Burton's Superman with Nicolas yeah. Cage. This film, because it did get released and we've seen it, you know, you need to have more to your story than what they delivered. Yeah. But uh, yeah, what would you guys watch? So I t- I talked about uh, how. I went to movie stores a lot and I would go and buy uh, or go and rent these noirs and I would travel around Burlington to different Video blockbusters stores. and Rogers to, uh, to do this. Variety stores as well? Uh, not at this point. I think the, and the variety stores wouldn't have had any, yeah, anything that's like true. this. Um, but uh, this movie, I like movies. Have you guys heard about I this? I was so excited about this film because it's a Burlington number, isn't it? It, it is a Burlington I think this director. is my top 10 of ex- most anticipated movies of this year. So, uh, yeah. This is yours? It was in my top 10, I think. Oh, wow. Um, from 2023, uh, I, yeah, I wanted to go see this when it played at the Playhouse. Hmm. And honestly, like, there's a giant nostalgia rush for multiple reasons. And I'm, I'm usually a little bit immune to this, but there's a couple. One... I grew up in Burlington. There's like a montage of like Plains Road in like one of the first sections. It was like, how, how am I going to say no to this movie? <laughs> Did you break down crying? I used to live there. <laughs> and then uh, like there's all these other places it's trying to figure out. And at first where the movie theater uh, or the movie store is, it's like, where the fuck is this? I don't know any plaza that has this and this and this. Yeah. Nothing looks like, well, they filmed that in Ajax because they didn't have, they couldn't yeah, find I'm- something that would look like, uh, a, basically a blockbuster. They call it sequels, but it's a blockbuster video store. Mm-hmm. It looks exactly like the one by my parents' place on Appleby Line. Exactly. Like, it's probably maybe not done up quite as much. Yeah. 
but that's the other thing. If you were, and I know you guys were, you guys went to movie stores and like yeah. hung out there longer than you probably should to pick out a movie. Just looking at the back of films, I was like, oh, this yeah. looks cool. This is also another one of those movies for you. Uh, I, I think on, on those type of levels, like it's just built, like they actually shoot at Aldershot High School, which I didn't go to, but you know, uh, I know that school. I, yeah. I remember going there to do prep for some yeah. play or something one time or, or whatever. So I don't know if it gets the period pieces completely right. And it's 2002. That's when the movie's based. Mm-hmm. So it's 2002. Oh. It's like right when... We would Sorry, have it's supposed to take place in oh two thousand. I thought okay, never mind. I thought you said I was thinking it's supposed to take place in twenty twenty two. No, no, no. Because that that fucking show, the last. Oh, yeah. What a stupid show! You're gonna do a show about a video store. I was so excited about that. A sitcom set in a video store, and they do it like when video stores are dead and no one cares about video stores. That like, seems silly. Why would you not set it in the eighties with like eighties being the top of its game right now? That could have been so much fun. Nineties, yeah, yeah. Like you could have had like all these classic films coming yeah. out. And you know that nineties would have definitely been like yeah because Gold, Goldberg has done it that way like, like you'd have like talk about Condo coming out talk about Young Guns two coming out yeah. like but like the nineties are when they were starting to make like you talk about Corman yeah. he starts making bank off of these yeah, things because yeah. they just got to fill rental stores mm-hmm. yeah. anyways it's two thousand two so right when around when we graduated high school mm-hmm. it is also the protagonist he's graduating from high school he's a total fuck it he's got issues he's fought. Fathers die, but they show that that's a crutch. But he's like a he's a, like just a narcissist dickhead. That's, that's the kind nerd. of the thing that like when I watched the trailer that kind of turned me off. He looks like a, like a little dick twat. That like I don't know if I want to. Kinda, we probably all were at like this yeah. time. Well, right? there's a lot of stuff that I find relate. There was stuff I found relatable, stuff I didn't find relatable at all. Yeah, the kid had them. friends. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, he, he had no friends. So relatable, relatable. Uh, I'm still lo- searching for those. I, I come here just not in here. Not in here. Uh, so, so he's he's pretty caustic and sometimes hard to take. But like some of the inner workings of the store and how that that that's really interesting. The the woman that plays like kind of his manager of the store is phenomenal in this. His mom is phenomenal in this. And the thing I like about this is it doesn't let him off the hook. Like you're a narcissist dickhole. Grow. Yeah. And if you, I don't. I actually. Uh, there's an ending, and then there's another ending. After the credits, the post credits. No, scene. there's no post credits. <laughs> like I love movies too. <laughs> the, the, uh, the the DVD boogaloo. <laughs> it's a Blu-ray boogaloo at this point. There are there's no VHSs at this point. Um, yeah, I just felt like it was a little bit. They they don't cop out basically the whole goddamn movie, and then they give a little bit of a cop out. Um, I don't need your fucking hope. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, this 2002, we know is hopeless. This I don't one. want no cup half full. It's <laughs> half empty, motherfucker. Uh, so, yeah. Let's uh, d- d- talk about like the, uh, the, uh, the, the sanctuary of cinema. Does it kind of go into that? Like how, how uh, the, the, the chapel of like going into this movie store and kind of like feeling the warm embrace well, of... Um, I think you get that with him. Like this is a kid that really can't relate to anybody. And movies and the store means so much to him because it's the only th- place he feels... Uh, Right. That right and understood, even though there's no interaction there. Mm-hmm. So like there's there like that is sometimes an issue with being a cinephile like we are. We're mm-hmm. sitting around watching a bunch of this stuff on your own or even with somebody. It's not like an interactive thing. Even when someone talks, you get annoyed. Like, fuck off. Like I'm trying to watch a movie. And and I think there's a lot of value there, but it like it does 
at least for me, it sometimes creeps into me. It's like, what the fuck? Like, what is what is the point of this? Other than, like, I think it enriches me as a person in multitude of ways. Hey, but it's sometimes you stories, lose that, yeah, yeah, yeah. You see stories growth, are important. Yeah. Uh, um, art, are. Art, art is important at the right time. There's a great like thing. Maybe I mentioned it. Ethan Hawke. Why has Ethan Hawke become so awesome uh, in his older yeah. age? Uh, why do we understand? Like Ethan Hawke was, I solid. Yeah, he's I think awesome. when he was younger, he was a bit of a douche, right? Like he was supposed to be known as a bit of a douche oh, was in his he? younger days. I think he was just he was a tr- maybe a tryhard. Yeah, well, I, I don't know, but yeah, he's definitely a lot cooler in the past twenty years. Like he's doing cool stuff, and but he talks about like you don't. No one cares about poetry or cares about like these different things happen for the most part as, as human beings until something happens that relates to that, then maybe that will um, comfort you or expand your mind or like, it doesn't have to be something deep. It can be something light that just like you, you kind of need in your life. And anyways, I think it does get into that into, in, I like movies. Is there free popcorn in that store? No. Oh, okay. it's, a blo- it's like a Blockbuster. Blockbusters ruined movie stores. They didn't have block- popcorn? Oh. No. no, they didn't. Jumbo Video did. I actually yeah. never did the whole Blockbuster thing. I was more of a, yeah, uh, Steel City Video, yeah. I think, was for me. Maybe Jumbo Video and then whatever local shops. Yeah, it wasn't until maybe the last, uh, like, the end of me going, there wasn't any other options. You got it. Yeah. They kind of came in and kind of... I think by that time, I was just buying... I think that's yeah. where I started my kind of addiction to movies. Right. It wasn't like as Cut. crazy as it was now, yeah. but it was like you might buy one every couple months or something. It, it starts with one toke of a joint, and then you're yeah. mainlining yeah. uh, anyway, Blu-rays. I, I, I don't think it's a perfect movie. I think there's, there's flaws in it. But uh, for somebody that grew up, and I don't know how much you guys know Burlington... Being Hamiltonians, were yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. What is this magical land of Burlington? You but like, speak there's of? little little. Things I know like, there's some asshole that grew up on was it Plains Road or something, but other than that, oh, I, uh, no, <laughs> Listen, there are several asses that grew up on Plains Road. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's basically just Rose. Yeah, not, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Not me. Well, she's not even Burlington. She's uh, yeah, Aldershot. Okay, like, hey, hey, but that's where this movie takes place. Oh, okay, basically, it's, <laughs> is, there, is there like a, 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 a almost like a hey, you're not even Burlington. Get out of here, water down. Get out of here, Aldershot. <laughs> like you, you, you write them off just like I write off Dundas and Ancaster. <laughs> no, I don't think if you're from Aldershot, you think you're. From no. Burlington? No, I think you think you're from Burlington. Uh, but like, if you're from Burlington, you're like, yeah, okay, I'll just check it out of here. Yeah, that's probably uh, more like it. Uh, seven, seven out of ten. Uh, really solid movie. Uh, I, I'd be interested in what this director does. Like, there's there's some really nice tendencies outside of just being like a, a bullseye for me. Yeah. Um, but it, it still feels like a it's a debut film. Um, mm. But it's it's done really well, I think, on on Netflix. So I I, I imagine. It's gonna she, be... She's going to get another another movie. Awesome. I'm not going to talk about this doc, but I, again, because it's the end of September, but I did watch a doc called At the Video Store, and it's just about the that. It's just about like the love of the video store and just the effect it had on people and the relationships that people built around it. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't love the doc, but I did definitely get like, you know, nostalgia. the nostalgia. Um but uh, yeah, what I am going to talk about though is I watched uh, from nineteen eighty four, Cloak and Dagger. Have any of you guys seen this? So this is I'm not sure. This this is uh, Dar- Dabney Coleman. 
Yeah, Dabney Coleman's in there from 9 to 5 and whatnot. Henry Thomas is the main kid from E.T., Directed by Ozzy uh, Richard Franklin, who did like Patrick and Road Games, Cycle Two. Oh, um, right. Yeah, I've never, I'd never seen this one. I, I guess this is a big one though for for uh, '80s kids growing up. Uh, Vinegar Syndrome put out this nice like set, because and the, the whole thing is about this like this kid gets this uh, computer game disc that's secret that has like government secrets or whatever on it called Cloak and Dagger. So you get some Atari footage and stuff, but the the, the case they put out it looks like an old Atari thing and the. You know the the slip cover looks like an Atari uh, package. Cool. And, anyways, they really sell it. I, I was pretty excited to watch this. Unfortunately, it, it didn't really work for me. And I don't know if this uh. is one where you need the nostalgia. I did like like I, I will say it's kind of cool in that like Henry Thomas is like this kid that gets involved in this, and the stakes are real. Like these guys are gonna fucking kill this kid if they have to, and they try many times. They'll shoot guns up like there's some pretty st- and there's a scene too where a guy gets like shot in the face oh wow um, which is I can't remember his name he's an actor that's been in a bunch of stuff E.T. Like, yeah ah yeah. they do shoot yeah they shoot E.T. in this but yeah the stakes are kind of real which I more liked. like ah yeah <laughs> Eddie Torres <laughs> at the same time though I thought, thought like I don't know there wasn't that much to it like it's like the kid getting chased there's this old couple that may not be who they they are they think you know you think they are um, there's a, he's got his, this little girl, his friend, she's not quite as good in this. Um, but yeah, Dabney Coleman is his dad, but is also this figment of his imagination. Who's like this spy kind of hero, James Bond type character. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm probably being hard on this one. Maybe this wasn't the right move, but I'm going to probably go like five and a half, six. Mm. Um, I, again, I talked to my buddy at work and he's like, oh, I love that movie as a kid. And a lot of people do like the ratings are pretty high on Letterboxd. So I don't know. Maybe it's one, uh, next time I know what I'm going in. Maybe I thought there's going to be more of the Hope video game, the Atari aspect yeah. to it. I was kind of hoping and there's not that much to that. It sounds incredibly familiar, but like something I would have watched in like 1987. Yeah. yeah I, I think it was a big one for kids, but it's one I skipped. But yeah, I, again, not a complete waste of time. Again, and, and I, a lot of these ones, sometimes I'm excited to dive into the, the extra features just so much the movie, but uh, that's it for that one for me. Uh, Henry Thomas. Why don't I talk about Henry Thomas? Did you watch The House of Usher? Yeah, The Fall of the House of Us uh, of Usher. That's what it is, right? Yeah, it's about the rapper, right? Usher? Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, his meteoric rise in the 90s and his uh, and, crash in the 2000s. Yeah, because he doesn't climax. Yeah, um, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. Okay, fine. Is that a thing about him? He's not, not he can't finish? No, it's a song. Oh, okay. A bunch of lame 40 year olds talking about a rapper from like 20 years ago. Uh, so, so, anyways, um, he's an R&B singer, man. Oh, so, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my, my mistake. So, this, this R&B singer, he's <laughs> yeah. in the new Mike Flanagan. And, uh, no, hey, don't, don't, don't Keith sweat it. <laughs> so, this is the new Mike Flanagan uh, miniseries. He's done, I guess, the last one he's doing for Netflix. Is that right? Yeah, and then he's moving on to... Oh, he's doing The Dark Tower, isn't he? Yeah, for Ooh, That's so exciting. I think. Is it Apple or Amazon? I don't know. I don't know. Apple. Uh, so anyways, uh, this is his take on uh, The House of Usher, which has been done a bunch of times. I've watched one of the Vincent original Price, versions. Yeah, Poe? Re- or not recently. Uh, <laughs> Vince Price did one I didn't, as well. it, And I didn't love the story. The Vince Price. Price, Carmen Poe. <laughs> um, it, it, it takes it off into a, a much different direction. Basically, um, you've, you've got uh, Roderick Usher, and he's got these six children. And they, it, it tells you right away that they're getting killed off basically you know one by one 
And it's a, it's a great kind of concept for a miniseries, right? Like mm-hmm. every episode, you got your opening episode, you got your fi- finale episode, everything in between is you're going to kill see, off somebody. See how these kids get killed. Um it's it's got like some pretty amazing performances um like from regular players. Mark Hamill is is unbelievable as oh, their like ruthless lawyer. The problem with him is like he's so amazing in every scene he's in and you're like, "Well, how does he actually f- fucking make any sense in any of this like what is he like over the top compared to everyone or no he's great he's he's like great Hmm. he's unbelievable i just wanted more of him and how he integrates like why does the fan like he's their lawyer but why does he do everything for them no questions asked Mm -hmm. they kind of try to tell them at the end but and it's supposed to be like one of those like classic flanagan knockout emotional punches yeah I just didn't find it. It didn't do that. You also have Bruce Greenwood, who's playing Roderick Usher, who is incredible in this. He's incredible as this swarmy, like businessman that you can believe has never heard the word no. So it's it's partial like suaveness and anger all the time. Yeah. Um, and I guess that was supposed to be Frank Langella playing that role, which w- he wouldn't he was he wouldn't work. This was this was great. And then you got Carla uh, Gugino. Who's been in all of his yeah. his uh, mm-hmm. from Gerald's game and and she's amazing as this kind of mysterious figure that's that's controlling everything. Unfortunately, it's the six kids. Their stories I could give two flying fucks about. They're that sucks. all uh, you know, I, I've I I heard the allusions to succession. It is succession like for dummies like there's no nuance in any of their their kind of study of this neo-capitalist fucking hellhole we're in right now it's just like all text there's no subtext it's all just like one's gonna be the the publicist that can get them out of the problems the other one's gonna try to take him on this health mogul thing the other one's on drugs the other one's like a guy that's gonna <laughs> do parties so they just follow succession is what they're they're doing in this they're they're tr- and it's one is a legal aid to a president or a politician and it's fail- one's cousin greg <laughs> it's failing so madly now what how they get killed tends to be awesome <laughs> is it like a almost like a final death destination they're all based upon Pin of the pendulum. Oh, awesome! They're 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 all Poe things. Oh, that's fine. Uh, to not give away too many yeah. of the others, but the the Poe parts of it are really really interesting. There are like it frustrates me because the bones of this are so good. They just went so I don't know. Uh, Twitter speak. Mm. I wonder if this would have been better for, set in like the nineties or something like that or the eighties. Maybe when's it set? It's now. Modern times. I think it could work as now. I just think you need to have sharper writing. Like again, Flanagan's having to do a lot. He writes most of the screenplays. He directs half the episodes. I find his episodes tend to be directed better. Like even the final episode, which has like some of the best writing, is kind of flat. And it's like credits roll. And it's like oh, it's the guy that did all the boys love whoever. Mandy Lane. Or is that? Uh, <clears throat> To all the boys that I I loved before, I don't know whatever that fucking Netflix <laughs> shit is. I'm I'm really conflicted because like there there's so much to like, but it, it's definitely my least favorite of the the Flanagan mi- miniseries. 
Um, there's only what four? There's five. Oh, I guess there's five, but that was maybe going to be a lo- Midnight Club, which I haven't watched. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to watch because it feels oh, I like totally forgot about that one. He yeah. didn't get to do what he wanted to do. That was kind of like the, the, uh, the Innocence, the um... yeah, like Haunting of Hill House, Bly mm. Manor, Midnight Mass, and this. And I I think Midnight Mass is my favorite. Yeah, uh, and then Hill House and probably Bly Manor. But like, I liked all of those. Even though I, I find there there's occasionally issue there's issues with all all yeah. three, um, I, I think Midnight Mass is like this is a like original sort of idea like mm. I would like more of that. Uh, anyways, I'm gonna give this six. Not oh. that good, eh? Like it's still often good enough to make me more angry. <laughs> like honestly, the three performances that that I I, I kind of labeled out at the beginning. They're incredible. Uh, they're really, really good. And so is um, he. He basically sits down at the fireplace with this uh, like attorney who's been after him for like forty years, uh, who's played by Carl Lumbly. He also should deserve a lot of credit. He's very, very good in this as well. Um, everybody else is just like their roles are so bad. You're. Not, I don't know if you're good or yeah. bad. Your your you're just dialogue sucks. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so I watched uh, one more that I'm going to talk about, kind of a neo-noir maybe. Uh, I know some of last episode just trying to get through films that I should have watched by now. Uh, and this is from one of my favorite directors. I've never seen this film, his first film, Christopher Nolan's Following. Oh, I haven't seen this either. Uh, um, I'm very curious. This is from 1998. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I was kind of worried. I've heard from a lot of people, you know, it's kind of like he, he shot it for like five, six thousand dollars several months, and would just kind of shoot a little bit mm-hmm. on weekends at a time. So I, I was, it always held me off. Is this gonna be like a student film? It's black and white. It's definitely not that. Um, and no, it's not that. Like I, I was actually quite impressed, and you you even see the Nolan isms pretty early on. Like even the story itself is one story but from two different times interconnected so it's like this thing and then this is what happened this is we're going to cut the scene from what happened before and it kind of yeah. goes back and forth like that so there's not much to the story really at least at the beginning this this writer follows people around he hence the name uh and but he has all these rules set to not kind of come up as a stalker not scare women going down an alley you know once you've went too far and you know where they work you know you move on to someone different um, but he's following this young man and the, the man notices him at the diner and comes, sits next to him and talks to him and is like, oh, you're following me. Are you curious? What's in my bag? Here, take a look. And it turns out that this person's a thief and takes him under his wing. And I don't really want to say any more than that yeah. because yeah. I, I honestly think like this film kind of throws you a lot of loops and where it goes. I, I was just, I was quite impressed. I, I was interested. It kept me engaged. It's not that long. I feel like it's an hour or 20, maybe nice. hour and a half most. But yeah, I, I liked where it went. The, the ending is kind of a nice surprise. Um, I, I'm going to give it to, again, like it's not, it's still like this little film, but I'm going to give it seven and a half. Like oh, wow. it's not quite an eight for me, but I, I totally dug this I film. remember, uh, I I should I should revisit this one as well because I Memento came out and it was like holy fuck who is it's this not Memento like Memento it's crazy because that's his next film right yeah. yeah and that just seems so but again that's probably like going from five thousand dollars to like what is that a million dollar probably movie? somewhere yeah. around there like yeah. that's a pretty big jump and getting like real actors like I don't think any of these yeah like the, the I remember the business. lead being not the greatest in this but 
I, yeah, I don't know. I I was kind of worried. Like, I don't think anyone, like, sometimes you watch some of these really no-budget films and, like, that's the thing that hurts them. To, to me, none of the actors Yeah, like, I don't think it. this is the killer's kiss, like the Kubrick film. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah, you, yeah, you've no. got a bunch of people yeah. that clearly can't act. Hmm. Uh, that's, But I, it, it's definitely, like, a little bit amateur. Yeah, they're not Guy Pierce. Um, who is? But, but but it's still, like, yeah, I remember I, I watched I this. Impressed. I did the same thing I did. I think I watched Requiem and and Memento, Requiem for a Dream and Memento, maybe within a couple weeks of one another. That's weird because I watched that in a weekend. I think it was the first two like DVDs I got, which is weird. Uh, yeah. I think like you would hear like, "Have yeah. you seen this?" And not really yeah. many people would know what the fuck they were. But like mm. you just more and more people. And I remember there was someone in the class who had recommended Memento, and I was like. This I, I that was at an edge. Of, I was on the edge of my seat mm-hmm. watching that fucking film for the first time, and then the next thing she said was like, "Oh, you should watch Requiem for a Dream." We just watched that one, and I was like, "Sure, whatever." Mm-hmm. And I watched that one, and it was like this uh, different kind of crazy, different kind of, yeah. but it also blew me away. And then I think soon after they must have realized there was like a demand for this, so Pi showed up, and yeah. Following showed up at the video stores like mm-hmm. pretty quickly after that. And got both of those. I think Pi, I felt, was more of an accomplished first film. I haven't seen that one yet. Even though I, I, I like a Memento, I like more than than all of them. But yeah, like it, there was like clearly like this was the guy that made Memento. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just crazy. And it's another film that just plays with time. Like it's crazy that he was doing that right from the beginning and, and pulling it off. Like it's done well. And but it, I think it's done so well that you're never confused with what's going on. Which I think if that's with a feat another itself. director, you could be like, wait a second, wait, is this now? When is this taking he, place? He, yeah, I think he he has an innate understanding of how far he can push an audience into almost delirious thought. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I I I think I rewatched this one after Insomnia had come out. So it fuck. I don't yeah, know. It's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah, I, yeah. I I need to pick this up on Blu-ray because it's I think the only film of his I don't own. But uh, where'd you check this out? Uh, it was streaming somewhere actually, yeah. uh, either Tubby or Canopy. I think this is the one that I was saying like it's not on Criterion, but it opens with the Criterion uh-huh. logo because I think yeah, yeah they yeah. released it physically. But maybe on DVD. Uh, no, it's on Blu-ray. They oh, they they have Blu-ray. it on yeah, Blu-ray. They put it on Blu-ray, yeah. Because um, yeah, I've almost bought it several times, but again, I was kind of worried like. I you know I want to see it I want it for my Nolan collection but Criterion films are really expensive especially in Canon it's like do I want to drop 30 40 bucks on sale to you know just to have it on my thing but I'm never going to watch it cuz it's a crappy well, it's like student film they've right? got like, fear and desire playing at the playhouse uh this upcoming uh week which is Kubrick's first mm-hmm. film oh yeah yeah Kino cuz Kino's uh, putting out a 4K release of that. That's probably their 4K transfer, I guess. Probably. Yeah. And, and uh, But I've seen the movie, and it's not that good of a movie, so yeah. why am I going to go see it? Yeah. Like, Killer's Kiss, I've read some stuff where maybe, like, if I was removed from... If I just start... If you just pay attention to how it's put together, maybe you forgive the acting or something, where the acting was just so goddamn distracting when I watched that. I think both of us watched it last year maybe yeah that's another one that I picked up on 4k kino's been putting out just i think they're just happy to have a kubrick film so 
Uh, I think they're the ones because he he out. wrote them off. Like yeah. that's why like, their rights have been in La La Land for a while. I think Kubrick was just hoping they would disappear. <laughs> well, that they, yeah, because that was just an extra feature on the the killers or the killer uh, Criterion disc. But Kino the, the killing killing. Sorry, uh, I guess Kino got the rights to them and did 4K transfer. So we're like, ah, we're gonna release these both right. separately. But I think they released them cheap, and you get all the, the awesome original cover art. So, uh, yeah, I have no complaints. But uh, yeah, anyways, that was a, a nice surprise for me. And uh, the last thing I watched was uh, Reservation Dogs season three, which I guess is gonna be their final season. Which uh, last one, eh? Uh, ha- Neither one of you have seen no, this, No, I right? wanted to check this out. This and uh, 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 Murderers in the Building, and the two like, oh, we'll watch it. Maybe after the bear, I'll get into it. Uh, this is the one I highly recommend above Murderers in the Building. Okay. Even Murderers in the Building, I think of the the first season, it's just like, this is so enjoyable. Like, th- like uh-huh. it's a murder mystery with Steve Martin and and, and uh, Martin Short, and they're having a lot of fun. And w- I like that. But Reservation Dogs is, again, in that, like, I've never seen a television show like this. I've never awesome. seen anything really quite like this. And at first it's just like these, these four friends, they're on the res. They're trying to get by. They've, they've, uh, they've lost a friend. It's really funny, really sharp, all the characters, but it's kind of like a coming of age thing. And then as that season goes on, they start doing more things about what happened to the friend that just like keep pulling it away and pulling it away. And then in the second season, they go deeper into the indigenous culture and, and actually what it means to be them, but what it means to be part of the the elders that are there as well. The third season goes even further away from the original premise and gives like hallucinating kind of like crazy episodes. <laughs> but you also get this heartfelt episode where Ethan Hawke, uh, he's the father of one of uh, one of the res kids. Uh, res dogs and she didn't know her father and everything and she goes to meet him because she needs this application signed it's an unbelievable episode again Ethan Hawke kills it in this and and, and it's almost like stunt casting where you're like oh fuck it's a big actor whatever yeah they've avoided that for the most part during this like Graham Greene is like the big actor the big boy eh and he's awesome in this as like a guy that thinks these alien beings are coming. He needs to grow as many eggplants for them. <laughs> Anyways, it, I, like I don't, you know, you sold me. I, yeah. I'm in. It's so good. It's, See you in hell, bear. I'm watching Reservoir. It's so funny. Dogs. Well, there's a character named Bear too. So you get your bear. I don't. It's hard to explain. I, I'm really disappointed they're not doing any more. But I guess they really felt like if we're gonna, if we're doing more, we're we don't know what to do with them. I guess they had one kind of core concept that might become a movie. Okay. Um, but it didn't seem like a full season or something because it's mm. a successful show. So it's just kind of, uh, you know what, let's put a pin in this. I think he's trying to make more uh, uh, more kind of TV shows that have indigenous voices, but he thought this had wrapped it. So Watiti well, brought this over here, but it's not – him that is the main mm. creator of the show. It's it's great. I think this season, I, I I applaud their 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 swings. Not all the swings I think work. I, I'm gonna probably give this season eight point five, but the show is That's dope. is a nine. Wow. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, like it's awesome. It's up there with Atlanta and and a lot. What of we these, do in the shadows, apparently. What we do in the shadows <laughs> awesome. as, as like one of the like again, it's a half an hour show. That's what you want. Yeah, it's great. Should we get into it? Uh, yeah, let's throw up the trailer for The Killers from 1946. 
turned out to be unhealthy. The farmer died from natural causes. The Swede and Blinky Franklin were both killed. Do you know who else was in the gang? You were. <coughs> Reach for that and I'll kick your brains out. Hitmen kill an unresisting victim named the Swede, and insurance investigator Reardon uncovers his past involvement with the beautiful and deadly Kitty Collins. Uh, yes, we're talking about the killers from 1946. This is the Robert Sassad, how do you pronounce it? Uh, Pitcher, uh, written by Ernest Hemingway, with a screenplay by Anthony Vailer and John Houston, uncredited uh, due to his contract with Warner. Uh, Cinemac, I guess, has got an interesting... He's done a bunch of noirs. Um, you know, Phantom Lady, I think, is one you're a fan of. Right, Adam? Yeah, I like that. That one's... Yeah, I like uh, that one. The Suspect, The Spiral Staircase, Cry of the City, Crisscross. He also did Son of Dracula, which I didn't love, but I know that's one of the Universal Monster sequels that a lot of people uh, speak of highly. Uh, this stars uh, Burt Lancaster in the lead as Swede Anderson. Um and of course, you'll recognize him again from Crisscross. We just I just mm. talked about, but I walk alone, brute force. He did a bunch of stuff. Uh, gunfight at the OK Corral, Sweet Cells, Smell of Success. Yes, which which one of my all, all which time. Which is one I, I need to see. Favorite. This is his debut film, actually. Th- yeah, that's a crazy thing. So he's thirty three, hmm. debut film. He was an acrobat. That's crazy. And uh, I guess some was he a boxer as well? Or no? no, he learned how to box for this oh. though. Like. Uh, and I guess everyone was just like, well, I guess he could have been a boxer too. Like they just kept, yeah. I, I, he went for, they wanted an unknown, but not kind of an unknown, like Ava Gardner unknown. Mm-hmm. Ava Gardner who mm-hmm. plays the femme fatale in this uh, Kitty Collins. Um, it's Kitty Collins, right? Yeah. Um, so they wanted someone like that. She'd been in a bunch of movies, but hadn't really had her moment. Yeah. They went through all these other actors and then she's stunning on this. Like she's, she is she's so screen, stunning. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. the minute, like she's not on for the first, like half of this movie. Then she kind of like appears on screen. As like, I, uh, I do wish she was, had a little more to do in this. She like, didn't, she wasn't on screen for very much uh, at all. In but like film. every moment oh, it, counts it, it purrs, that she's man. in there. And, uh, like she, she is kind of the quintessential 
femme fatale yeah. whispering somebody in uh, something in somebody's mm-hmm. ear, yeah. and then re- really wanting uh, like we'll get into the end, but like kind of her final moments in the movie are, are fantastic. But both of them, no success before this. This is basically both of their first like real yeah. leading roles, which is crazy. Um, like Burke Lancaster becomes you know, probably one of the biggest actors of, of his era. Mm-hmm. And then she, she's for probably 10 years, one of the, you know, big, big kind of mm-hmm. sex, sex pots and, and married to Frank Sinatra and all this other crazy kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, Let, let's talk about the film though. So before, so it pretty much opens up these two, these two goons just oh, roll yeah. into town and like harass this diner who's like like a sleepy American diner where the guy's like he's kind of sassy, almost like you expect a what? diner owner to be, but like they really put him in his place real fucking quick. Yeah, and that, that he's he's another character actor that's like you in recognize a million, him in a lot of things in a million things. Charles McGraw is Al and William Conrad is Max, Ma- so the two henchmen. And William Conrad is Max is. Is he the bigger guy with the mustache? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. He's so good. I will say these two guys are my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> you got it. And I wish they were in it more because the two scenes that they're in are my favorite scenes of the movie. Like I think the opening twenty minutes mm-hmm. is the best part of the movie. It actually, it's so tense how they're like just like chortling this guy. Like I, 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 I don't disagree with that, but I also think the first. I, I think it's it's probably like, whatever fifteen minutes. It, it's mm-hmm. it's Hemingway's short story. Is the first part of the movie, so that's the everything else after that is made up. There's no. Oh, even like the femme fatale. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. You get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So Hemingway's story is the first twenty minute twenty or yeah. 50, uh, it's like it's. I think it's under fifteen minutes, and it's. Yeah, oh. I, I thought it was shorter too, but I kept them reading twenty minutes. Everywhere. It's not. I don't think it's twenty minutes. I think it's like thirteen or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's that is the, his short story, which is like eight pages. Huh. And it's the closest adaptation, and everybody was worried about the second half. I think that's one of the greatest openings of mm-hmm. any movie. Uh, like, it is crazy, the dialogue. The dialogue with all of them is so snappy. Like, they just keep, like, they're slowly browbeating the mm-hmm. fucking owner of the diner. Uh, and just basically calling him a dummy over and over again. I don't have any of the. the oh, he's like, oh, he thinks he's a wise guy. If you're a wise guy, why do you know what's going over here? Uh, oh, There's a great line about guy. dinner. Oh, they eat dinner here. They're big <laughs> dinner people, or something like yeah. that. Like, yeah. it's so fucking sharp. And you don't know where it's going. Like they just said, "We're waiting." The Swede. I heard. We heard the Swede comes in for dinner here every time. You guys are. You're gonna. T- we're gonna yeah. take over, and when he comes in, we're gonna shoot and kill him. Yeah. And you've got like. There's a younger kid who almost seems like, oh, maybe he'll be the protagonist of the movie. But then you're going, oh, it's a Swede, whoever the Swede is. And they're building up the Swede and they're building up this thing. And when you get to him, he just resigns himself mm-hmm. to death. He's like, yeah. He goes, hey, Swede, they're going to come kill you. Get out of here. You got, you got time. He's like, well, I did a bad thing a long time ago. And he just, and he fucking, just rolls over and dies. And like, he's just fucking, the way he's sauntering out on that bed, like mm. he's just been waiting for this thing to happen for many, many years. Mm. Like what a fucking yeah. first image of like a classic actor is that. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of the, the, like we talk about, you know, Ava Gardner and, and her yeah. introduction. Burt Lancaster did the same fucking thing in that scene, right? Yeah. Like, um, and, and he's, you know, in a lot of these early, pictures that i've seen him in he's always this kind of like 
somewhat reserved, but giant of kind of like his, I don't know how tall he was, but he's as broad as this room basically, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think uh, s- someone called him the killer of white shirts or something, <laughs> or like uh, destroyer of white shirts, I think it was. <laughs> But uh, oh, I wish I saved my Brad Pitt stain joke for this one. But, good. So it, it plays that intro, and then it basically becomes this insurance salesman trying to figure out because he left happened. his insurance to like some random, random. woman, uh, like a random woman working at a hotel, like a maid, yeah, um, a cleaning lady or whatever it would be, and uh, yeah, and then. The whole film is him and the insurance investigator investigating, and then we cut to everyone it's, he talks to. They tell a story and you get a flashback and then it kind of... It's basically the Citizen Kane of, of yeah. Noir. It really is. You know, it tells the story of the Swede, how he became to be this And it's, pro- it's not quite as uh, flashy with all of yeah. Wells' stuff, but the setup in the puzzle piece is like, you can see why this is like one of the, the you know, the unspoken about like main influences on Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. Like, because you have to have all these things kind of align in a certain way, like... I think there's nine flashbacks or something like that, and they all reveal like a perfect amount of information to take you mm-hmm. to the end. Um, it, it's like I I agree like the you can't almost top that beginning. So it's just like we got 13 minutes of this like insanely great thing. We have nothing else. What are you gonna do? And e- even like Hemingway, I guess he came with like booze to like get drunk because he get out of here Have everything I? that he ever had had like written that was made in movies he he didn't he like and he, by the end he hadn't touched the booze like Hemingway because he was just like that was that was good uh and I guess it's the only movie uh of of uh he likes he likes of 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 any of his his work um yeah, like I don't know if you had to play uh, is it Edwin uh who I, I quite like as is an he actor the cop? Edwin O'Brien is Jim Reed, and he's the insurance salesman. Okay. Like, I don't know if we need quite as much about his, yeah. like, quest for this. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I do like that they make it a joke at the end. Yeah, it, it's kind of silly, to be honest. Yeah. Like, why? It, I, I mean, maybe it's to the point where now it's almost an obsession. It's not Well, I think it's just so fa- it, fascinating, yeah. right? Like, mm-hmm. how do all these things come together? Because every piece, you've got all these, like, like characters, um, that are part of the crew, uh, like Dumb Dumb Clark. <laughs> what a what it a does name! Great name. And he, he, he played by Jack Lambert, who is again like in a million. I think he was in Kiss Me Deadly, another uh, big kind of uh, noir, uh, which we haven't we haven't done that as one of our our main features. Yeah. So, so that could be yeah. one in the future. Anyways, like there's all these like great kind of ca- uh, character actors. Jeff Cooley plays Blinky, who has a great kind of like final. Uh, deathbed scene. So you got all, all these kind of like how the parts come together and then you do have like Burt Lancaster, I think it's really smart. Like he's always a secondary character even in the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. So he's almost like this larger than life mythical uh, Yeah, sweet. <laughs> yeah, he's a sweet. Like somebody that you can't ever really grasp, like, why would he have done this, w- mm-hmm. even when the stories are being told? Uh, and they're always, all, always being told in kind of interesting ways. So even though, like, my biggest gripe is the insurance sale and what he's doing, because that makes no sense to save, like, a couple bucks or whatever. He's going down this... Uh... Uh, he's going down a rabbit hole that I'm fully going down with him. Now, do you guys notice that the dragnet 
theme song. I thought that actually. That's the first time they ever used it. It was written for this movie. Oh, crazy. Hmm. Which is now used in like anything where it yeah. seems like it. Yeah, that's some crime thing is yeah, being detective. Done. Yeah, it's 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 a little bit. I think it's maybe slower. Like maybe it's like da na 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 or but something. It was there. It's there. Yeah. Whenever the killers are on screen, it's it's at some point. Hmm. Um. Well, since you're you're looking there, I I I'm gonna kill you guys here. Yeah. I, I didn't really like this movie. Oh no, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I, I I liked the opening. Yeah, I like the other scene with those guys, and uh, I didn't care and for that. Was it? Right? I was, I struggled. Like it took me three nights to watch this. I was maybe tired and just, I just wasn't into it. I was, I kind of found it boring. Mm-hmm. This is the third film I've seen from Burt Lancaster, and I, I'm not a Burt Lancaster fan. Oh. I don't like him. <laughs> You're not a fan caster. I find he's just so dull, and he doesn't have any screen presence other than being a big hulking man. Like I believe this guy mm-hmm. can punch someone, but yeah, when when you come off of like like a Bogart. He's just, he doesn't have any charisma or any presence to me. Oh, I, I don't man. know. Yeah, I, I don't. found a, a he lot doesn't of characters. speak much in this. The, 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 I, there's no memorable characters really in you this, don't, too. The characters don't have to do anything. It's just a story unfolding before your eyes that make this movie. Yeah, and I such find a, all the central characters, like some of their lines where they're playing blackjack, I don't have that dialogue written down, but that is some of the sharpest fucking. That's got to be Houston that. Yeah. Uh, that. Hmm. Uh, rewrote that like the dialogue is as good at the dialogue's better than Maltese Falcon yeah. I think of this like uh, in terms of sharpness uh, like the diner scene is incredible like the diner scene I agree yeah. and that's it starts so high and I'm like this is fucking incredible and then it goes into the this reared in the insurance investigator he's such a boring lead then we're gonna cut back to flashbacks and I find Burt Lancaster's character is so boring uh, Koufax who's kind of like the big Batty, he's kind of like not that badass. <laughs> uh, Kitty, I find Kitty's character like sure she's great at like looking attractive yeah. <laughs> and giving the eye where you know she's like up to no good and she's secretly fucking these guys from behind. But again, I don't feel like she has much to do, and I just I find every like it's just kind of like we're gonna investigate this person and then they're gonna tell the story. And like a, a lot of the flashbacks, I thought like I don't know, it just it wasn't interesting. This this movie really felt long to me, and it's. I think it's an hour and 40 oh. minutes, which maybe is long for this, but I was like, I don't know. I, found I think a lot that's of probably dragged. the average for noirs an hour, yeah. 40 hours. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. I just found this film dragged, and I, did, I wasn't really interested because it's like, we know he died. I guess we're trying to find out. I'm just going to take out my picks or? for Kyle next year. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you've liked any of my noir picks. I think, no, it is. I don't think I like Criterion no, no noir picks because I also but, watched Detour on my own. Yeah. Didn't really like that one. Um, I liked but Asphalt like, Jungle. But like, this is. This is as noir as noir. Like this is, you know, you know. I think. I think the problem is though. Cri- a lot of the Criterion noirs, the ones I don't like, are the ones that are like really dramatic. Like this one doesn't have any cool scenes. Oh, what about the scenes. heist? The, the heist wa- is like the one shot heist is amazing. But it's, it's done in it's done in like that's like two minutes. Like there's not much to it. The, my favorite part about the heist is the planning, and you don't get that in this. You get a scene where they. T- they, you get a scene, sorry, after that, yeah. where it's like them, oh, don't worry, we got the cars, and that's it. Like the best, the heist is the heist is never the best part of the heist movies. It's the planning, and you don't get any of that in this. I think you get the planning of like all those guys having to come together, or like the scene with his it, cellmate, yeah. uh, <laughs> the, the drunkard. But again, yeah. it's not it's not planning. Like sure, you get to see. I guess there's no planning of, of you get you of get the that. guys at the cards. It's you, not the killing. That's for you sure. You get to see that yes, these guys. There's. Uh, there's friction between them in this. But I love the scene, scene where, but... like, he has to go to, out to the house and and because uh, 
you know, he thinks he's being double crossed. Get the drop on him. That's a great action scene, too. He did not really. He just comes with a gun and that's it. He, he pulls a gun, they they drop off all the stuff and he runs off and I think you hear a gunshot. But if you know what's going on like later and you look back at that scene, there's more going on yeah. that's happening. Yeah, I just, I, yeah, I, I was just kind of bored throughout a lot of this one. Huh. Bored, my least favorite word. <laughs> <laughs> well, And that's my biggest problem with it. I think like, it's not like it was bad or anything. It was more just dull to me and I think that's almost worse. Like, I didn't have any memorable characters for me. There's no characters in this I'm going to remember 10 years from now, other than maybe the, the henchman at the beginning. And really, it's only the one henchman. And again, no, the they're only in two still scenes. great, like, too. Like, he's pretty menacing. That 13 minutes is great. And they have a scene where they come back for, I think they're in it for like two minutes more. And then it's over. Then, like, that scene's great. But again, like, you know, I, I something's so going to go down. What I don't know. Like, what was the cop's name with the mustache? Like, that was pretty Oh, yeah. Also, okay, yeah. Right? Like, in the boxing scenes are yeah. great, too. Yeah. Yeah, like this. This is like I love this film, and it, mm-hmm. it held up for me. Like I like both sections of it so much. I, I was gonna yeah. watch the remake, and it, it this one turned me off. Oh I mean, really? I might still watch it. I later love on the actual plot of this whole movie. I find even the characters. I, I, I liked them. They were second nature. The actually the story just playing out before my eyes. I thought was really interesting. Yeah, I, I find all the characters memorable. Mm-hmm. I find like and the whole twist. Like there's not really much to the twist. It's kind of like you kind of know where it's all going. Guess like I guess you like you've watched enough of these noirs, you kind mm. of know where it, it's going. But like the the scene where they come together at the end, which I don't, you know, again, don't want to give too too much away. But I guess that's probably, so impactful. Yeah, do spoilers. Yeah. Do you have uh, want to give our ratings on this? I'm a nine. Spoilers? It's yeah. Ooh. I was gonna go eight eight as well. Uh, I'll be generous and go six out of ten. For Ooh, you're kidding me! Oh boy! <laughs> no, yeah, this is like bottom tier. Oh wow! For me. I didn't really like this. One I am shocked. Yeah, I'm. Ki- I'm not given suggestions. <laughs> yeah, because I always. I, I'm actually. I actually think like in my yeah. brain, I'm wondering if I like this more than the Maltese Falcon. Like, I do it, like this more than the Maltese Falcon. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, like I, I, I was surprised that I like this more than Maltese Falcon. Mm-hmm. I just think there's more to it. Like Maltese Falcon seems like. Want like if it wasn't for the same Sp- uh, Sam Spade character, like, I, I, but like, all the characters are more interesting. Maltese Falcon, like Peter yeah. Laurie, uh, yeah. Will, um, what's his name, Wilbur, it, and a lot of those characters. Like, I think Green Street is is a, a phen- phenom in that movie coming out of, uh, but like Peter Laurie's Peter Laurie, like you, you've got, yeah. uh, so I think you see like iterations of those characters in other things, they're all great. It has like you know. I love I love both of these movies. Yeah. I don't know why I'd be arguing against one or the other. It's just that I don't think there's weak characters in this at all. They're just not as known actors. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, or they, ma- they just I don't know. They just didn't make uh, an impression on me at all. Like t- they were just like guys that were there to tell this story, but they didn't like leave an impression on me at all. Because you just watched Edward O'Brien in that other noir. He was one? the lead in in the one you watched last week. Yeah, Do, DOA or whatever, and he he yeah. was okay. Again, yeah. like that one, I, I that one I like the the story. Like that one, it's like he's got two days to live, so it keeps you on that. But yeah, he that one. That's kind of the problem with that one is that one didn't have too many memorable characters. But yeah, I think it's really this this Lancaster because I saw I've seen Crisscross, which I liked, but I didn't care for much of him in that. And uh, I Walk Alone, same thing. Like I liked, but I didn't really care. Which is, for I Walk him Alone is like is considered kind of like a B. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm not. I'm definitely not a Lancaster oh, fan. No. So. Like he, we'll see about. And he's only supposed to be like a. But the problem is, then the other presence. guy that's the lead, the other lead of this film, is the Reardon guy, and I thought he was kind of like, eh, too. I didn't. I, didn't I love the imp- like he does a Bogart impression basically when he's <laughs> taking Kitty Carlson over, like he's just trying to play a tough mm-hmm. when he's taking her to the bar. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I think the writing's so fucking. Sharp. I don't even understand too. He's this insurance investigator. And, like, for some reason, he's a detective in the movie. Like, even when the cops are coming in, breaking into the house, at the end, he's, like, leading the, 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 the uh, what would you call that? The bust. Like, it makes no sense. Yeah, the, the weakest part about the movie, I, I Like, agree, I, I just don't understand why stuff. he's this badass with a gun and, like, the cop is constantly playing second fiddle to this insurance investigator. Well, a lot of the times, he, he's, like, no one's supposed to be investigating this. It's done, right? Yeah. Uh the end, like, yeah, there again. Why is the insurance salesman doing any of this? Well, but that's the same with yeah, the double indemnity. Why are the like, insurance like a, a throwaway line anything? that, like, I guess because of the heist, he could save them several with the, the payroll for that week. They yeah. insured the company so as well. So that's the original reason why he's yeah. on the case. That makes yeah. sense, but he, it's when you know he's getting you know busted up and guns pointed against yeah. it and Deacon bullets out to save the company a couple yeah. cents. It's kind of like, ah, you really I mean, dedicated to your job, he's just dude. a little <laughs> maverick. He, he was just bored. Yeah. Yeah, I think it. Yeah, even his boss doesn't want him to do it. He's no, like, I, I, I think you. Going, could, I think you could buy it that okay, he's yeah. just really interested and become obsessed with this case. That yeah. he's, but yeah, I don't know. It's still kind of silly. Yeah, he even said like his boss was trying to get him off the case. Like, well, am I working here or am I fired? Is what he's pretty much went down to. They're constantly trying to pull him, but he's like, well, I, another week. He's like, all right, another week. Yeah, so we'll get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I yeah, yeah, like I, I love all the dialogue. Anyways, mm. that's. We don't need. Uh, I don't think we need to go into the, the spoiler. Yeah, um, yeah. So the only thing I have is I don't have much. It had a two point five million box office. Um, I guess on the DVD, uh, Andrew Tarkovsky. Uh, yeah, I was does curious. A Nineteen minute short uh, of the story. Yeah, because it was 19, so on. Uh, yeah, like this again. It's a pretty. Uh, I, th- I think. I think like. It it's influenced a lot of other yeah. crime th- movies. I think it's like the biggest movie that one of the biggest movies that year, right? Yeah, uh, I assume so. Two and a half million seems like a lot uh, back then. And then, yeah, as we mentioned, there is a remake from 1964. I guess uh, directed by Don Siegel, stars Lee Marvin, Angie Dickinson, John Cassavetes, and Ronald Reagan. Um, supposed to be a TV <laughs> film, oh, but I, I guess it was too violent for TV, so it ended up. Uh, becoming a theatrical film. Yeah, I, I'm really interested in seeing that because everyone, uh, like, I like Don Siegel and everyone uh, yeah. talks about Lee Marvin being fucking kick-ass in it. So, uh, and it's supposed to be a much, much different story. Like, it hmm. it, it doesn't... Yeah, like, I think I oh. read the, the synopsis and he's a race car driver or the guy that gets shot is a race car driver or some bullshit. Huh. Um, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I'm curious. We'll see. I might throw it on. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Do you guys have anything else? I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, part two of our Noir Vember, uh, series. We'll be back next week with, what, what is Nightmare Alley. Nightmare Ooh. Alley is next week. Uh, this is, and this is the original from, does anyone have the year? <laughs> is it 1950? I think Nightmare Alley. Uh, 1947. 47. Not so, not close. So we're gonna make. <laughs> I was just gonna nine. guess. Like, why have we been trying to guess? Like, I don't know. Sixty four. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you got any questions, you can email us at moviecitymaniacs at gmail We're at moviecitymaniacs 
yeah, and if you want to give me hell for uh, not enjoying this classic, classic. noir, yeah, um, yeah, do so. Uh, I can handle it. Uh, <laughs> we have a group page, like page, uh, Movie City Maniacs. Every time, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Stay scared. Bye.